This is Radio Influence. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. This is Jim Fannin. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm with Seth Hurd, my sidekick producer. Seth, what's up? You know, life feels a little different because the blueprint is finally in the hands of the public. You can go uh, to Amazon right now. If you're brand new to the Jim Fannin Show and you've just started to check us out, very cool. Glad you're putting the tools together. But really, You've got to have a blueprint written down, and this isn't a loose plan in your head. You've got to script this thing out to have your best 2018 ever. We're going to walk with you week by week through that, but you've got to have this thing written down. And to do that, you've got to grab the book, Amazon.com, or if you want to uh, go ahead and get an autographed copy, JimFannin.com. That's F-A-N-N-I-N. And uh, you can get it nationwide in bookstores. So go get a copy. <laughs> I can't decide if Jim wants you to... He does want you to get an autographed copy, although I think your uh, hands are going to be growing more muscular because there are stacks and stacks and stacks that you have signed <laughs> to send out. I, I have signed signed a few. <laughs> uh, I, I'm excited about this show, uh, as I always am. It's about being in the zone, which helps you become your genuine, authentic best self. The zone is a purposeful calm. Athletes, CEOs, salespeople, anyone, students can put this mindset on uh, like an overcoat. And I, I've learned over five decades, you can live in this mindset. It's not just for superstar athletes. It's not just for CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Anybody, everyone, uh, regardless of age, economic status, where you're from, uh, can attract this very powerful zone mindset. And when the zone arrives, uh, it comes really at will. It can come periodically on a whim. You know, it can just all of a sudden I'm in the zone. But can you imagine to attract it at the right time and at the right place to be your best genuine, authentic self? And that's really what uh, the score success system, it's a thought management system, does. The blueprint is a integral part of that. And uh, so let's, uh, let's get in the zone. And who's been in the zone this past week? What a great week. Well, yeah, we've got to give a shout out to the Best Picture winner. That's always the most, you know, one of the most prestigious nights and one of the most prestigious awards in entertainment. Uh, the Shape of Water, you've seen it. I haven't. You loved it? I loved it. Uh, it was. Um, a little fantasy, uh, a lot of reality. It definitely was a love story. 
uh, a lot of intrigue. Uh, the superhero uh, was a godlike amphibian fish uh, that had pretty mystical powers. Uh, that I'd like to have those. That would be great. Uh, he was definitely in the zone. But what a great performance uh, all around. Uh, it, it kept me interested from beginning to end. And I definitely, there are some other very worthy movies to be uh, movie of the year. I think next year we're going to see Black Panther, period, it, it, which is crushing everything. But uh, The Shape of Water definitely was a zone performance. And obviously, you may not have seen every single movie nominated last night. And there's one actually called Heroin that I, I have not seen yet. Well, this one, this one was nominated. It came out in 2017. It's a short documentary. This one's near and dear to me. Uh, it's about a tragic part of the United States. Unfortunately, that's where I'm from. Uh, it centers around uh, the, the epicenter of opioid use in, in America, and that would be Huntington, West Virginia. I played tennis there weekly. This is about six miles from my house. There's a tri-state area uh, in the Appalachian area, Ashland, Kentucky, one of those cities, Huntington, West Virginia, that's what we're talking about, and then Ironton, Ohio. This part of the country has been deemed the most unhealthiest place in America, the saddest, most depressed place in America. And uh, to tell you that that bothers me is an understatement. But this movie, Heroin, it's H-E-R-O-I-N, parentheses, E, parentheses. It's about three heroines um, who are really attacking the uh, Huntington area. Ten times national average epicenter, America's opioid epidemic. There's Fire Chief Jan Rader. There's Judge Patricia Keller. And there's Nisha Freeman, who runs a brown bag ministry. What they've done is that uh, the opioid crisis is so heavy, they're just throwing everybody in jail. I mean, there's, they're having overdoses 7, 20, 25 a day, a day. Uh, small children are being born uh, with opioid addiction. Uh, Elaine McMillian Sheldon, this is one of her films. What a masterful film. She told the story of how these three women have put a drug court, a drug court. Uh, it's a little maternal. It's a little tough. But if you can prove that you're going to recover from this addiction, they will expunge your criminal record. They'll take you out of jail. And what's amazing, they're giving people two, three, four, five, six chances. And, and I liked when one of them said, why wouldn't we give someone another chance to be their best? And this is born out of uh, poverty, hopelessness, uh, definitely no jobs. It, it is amazing. It, it's the home of Marshall University, you know, a D1 school. Uh, I had a full scholarship to, to Marshall. I know it well. I played at Ritter Park. I won tennis tournaments in Ritter Park. And uh, 
I understand that Ritter Park, which is this beautiful park uh, on the Ohio River, uh, that's where a lot of people are going to get their opioids. It's like, you got to be kidding me. So check out Heroin. Uh, it's on Netflix. Again, it was up for an Oscar. And shout out to Elaine McMillian Sheldon. Uh, good job. I'm sorry you didn't win it, but what a great film. You know, we're going to go ahead and connect the Oscars with sports here. I'm going to go ahead and make the claim, the bold claim that, you know, if, if you are up for an Oscar and you win, maybe you should have an NFL draftee in tow. Because Francis McDormand, who won an Oscar last night, got it stolen by a guy who grabbed it and tried to run away with it at an after party. What's up with that? That's not being in the zone. That's amazing. Hey, guy that tried to do that. Pretty much everywhere has cameras now. So um, you you probably weren't going to get to keep the thing anyway. But had Francis had uh, this Central Florida linebacker who's up for the draft, Shaquem Griffin, with her, I bet he would have run this guy down to nothing flat because he just ran a 4-3. 40 yard dash that's phenomenal he's up towards the top uh, of uh of you know the heap there and it looks like there's a couple other athletes that are running that fast in this draft class as well but he also did 20 bench press uh you know presses with actually a prosthetic hand what a, a phenomenal uh, individual i i watched that video of him doing that i started sweating i, I, I was <laughs> like you gotta be kidding me uh with, with the yeah, it was pretty impressive. 20 in a row. Uh, the last few were uh, a little tough, but man, the first 15, he pumped them out. I thought he was going to do 100. It was pretty amazing. So, and to run 4-3 to run under 4-4, four, four, uh, that's amazing. That's yeah. just super quick. So let's talk about another zone performer, Sir Roger Bannister. Uh, Roger Bannister. Passed away this past weekend uh, at the age of 88, but he's going to live forever in the annals of athletic history. The first person to run a mile in under four minutes. Pretty, pretty amazing. Now, I, I, I want to talk about March 23rd, 1929. That's a long time ago. In a Cambridge University paper, they published that man cannot physically run one mile under four minutes. Unequivocally, can't do it. I mean, I, you know, there's some limits. We're probably not going to high jump 22 feet, whole ball 60 feet, or run the 40 in one second. I mean, there are some physical limitations. So Cambridge University came out and said, man can't do it. It's not going to happen. So. He was close. You know, there were a few runners in the world that were flirting with the four-minute mile. So Roger Bannister sat down with his coach. And this is how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's a formidable task. It's something he wanted to do. He wanted to be the first person ever to break the four-minute mile. So his coach says, you know, Roger, do you remember that race about a month ago when you had the fastest first quarter mile ever? I mean, you got off to an amazing start. You were so quick, so efficient. Do you remember that? And Roger goes, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I, that, that was the quickest I ever got out of the gate. And the coach wrote something down on a clipboard. 
He said, do you remember when you did not get off to a great start? Uh, that wasn't but a couple of weeks ago. But the second quarter of a mile, you actually made it up. And it was the fastest quarter mile you ever ran in your life. And Roger said, yeah, that, that was not a very good start at all. <laughs> and he said, do you remember in that race where you really hadn't done very well halfway, but you posted the best third quarter of a mile that you've ever run? He said, I, I remember that extremely well. And, uh, and how about when the crowd gave you wings and you closed a quarter mile where you finished with the best quarter mile finish ever? He said, that was amazing. The crowd gave me wings, cheering him on, blowing past the competition. And then the coach turned over the clipboard. He added all the numbers up. Three minutes, 59 seconds. You don't need to break the four-minute mile. You just need to have your best quarter mile, your best second quarter mile, your best third quarter mile, and you need to close with the last quarter mile, the best you've ever done. And that is how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. Three minutes, 59 seconds, well, 59.4 seconds, and that sent shockwaves around the world. It was in the headline of every major newspaper. It was like somebody landing on the moon. Man broke the four-minute mile. Not possible, according to Cambridge University. How many things in your life have you decided, I, I can't do this. This is too big of a challenge. It's too much. Uh, how many athletes, now I'll never make the NFL. I can't believe this coach is not going to let me let me start. I mean, I'm definitely better than everybody else. Why aren't I started? Then you become a victim of your circumstance, you know, or your condition. Then you become a judge, and you really let go of your imagination and and your creativity of what's possible. That's all the way down to uh, Tom Grenius. New York Times bestselling author. I may have mentioned Tom before. We're going to have Tom on the air. Um, it took him six years to write his first bestseller, and he calls up. He goes, hey, can you, can you help me? And I go, help you? You're a New York Times bestseller. And he said, well, it took me six years. I just signed a huge contract. They want a bestseller every year for the next three years. How am I going to do that? And it's eating an elephant one bite at a time. You know, sometimes you just you can't keep going. I've coached cross-country runners. Uh, but, you know, we're all in this endurance race, Seth. I just can't go on. But one of the secrets of a cross-country runner, when you've hit the wall, you're not in the zone, you're the opposite. You're approaching the downs, and you can feel your body starting to shut down. You just say. I can make it to that tree. And all you care about is that oak tree. And maybe it's 200 yards, 300 yards away. I'm going to make it to that tree. And that's all you focus on. Get to the tree. Then you get to the tree and you go, I can make it to the hill. And you just keep going, staying in the moment, 
setting real small tasks that are going to lead you to major goal accomplishment, and that's really going to take you to a dream no different than the four-minute mile. And, and Seth, how many of us right now need to break a four-minute mile in our relationships, in our parenting, in our business, in our sales, in our net profits, or in our sport? We all have that four-minute mile that everything, you know, everybody says, you can't do it. It's not possible. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I do want to add one piece of the story here. You may not know. The reason that we know Roger Bannister's name and not a lot of the other guys who were trying to break the four-minute mile, a lot of those other athletes straight up quit because they read the newspaper. It would kill you to run under a four-minute mile. So. He believed and he stayed concentrated when other people just said, I'm not even going to try anymore. Well, you know, this guy was a true champion, though. He's not, you know, he was more than an athlete. I mean, yeah, he'll go down in history uh, uh, for breaking the four-minute mile, uh, but they don't call him Sir Roger Bannister for nothing. I mean, he became a a physician. Uh, He went on to be a great family man, and he had an illustrious career. Uh, Roger Bannister. One of the great ones, and uh, shout out to Roger, his family. Uh, he passed away at the age of 88. What a zone performer. And not the only zone performer that has taken audacious tasks and broken them down into pieces. We're going to hear from a, a friend of ours who's been on the show before who's a zoniac in different stages of his life that's, that's going to be on in just a couple of minutes. And his name is John Buck, former and a former MLB player. Yeah, I want to talk briefly about John Buck. Uh, he, uh, catcher, Major League Baseball. I was coaching with the New York Mets at the time. And, and then he retired. He probably had three or four years still in him. Still has managerial capabilities in him. But he quit for the right reason, and uh, John Buck is one of those rare, true champions. He quit to be with his kids. Uh, he's got twin boys, uh, and um, uh, he's got a yeah, younger kid also. He's got, so he has three children. He's got an awesome wife, and he has his own business. And he's also, I want to talk about it, he's changed his body you would think that an athlete during his playing career would be the best shape he's ever been in. I, I can say, yeah, I'm raising my hand. The best shape I was ever in was when I was playing professional tennis. Uh, and John, you would think he would raise his hand. But right now, he's in the best shape ever, even more so. But, you know, he's attacked his life one bite at a time, one arena at a time. I, I want to talk uh, about the, some of the pages from the book of the Blueprint. Segregating your life in standalone arenas. These are spheres of interest. You have your own health and wellness. That includes your spirituality. It's got nothing to do with your children or your significant other or your career or vocation. That's just you. It's between you and you. What time you get up, what time you go to bed, what do you eat, what do you put in your body, how much exercise, your faith. whether you meditate or not, how well you use visualization or not, that's one segment of your life. Uh, there's some key people there. It could be your doctor. It could be your chiropractor. 
could be your yoga instructor, could be a minister. Um, and then you have your significant relationship. That's just you and your uh, mate, you know, your life partner. That's got nothing to do with anything but the two of you. And that's a separate sphere of interest. So the best in the world, the true champions, they've segregated their life into these standalone buckets of thought. And each of these arenas, as we call them, they're like little micro-reality TV shows. And, and if, let's say you had nine of these in your life, from personal finance, being a sibling, uh, you're a son, Seth, so that's an arena that's all about you and your relationship with your mom and dad. Uh, sibling, that's just you and your sibling. And um, personal finance, uh, your vocation. And, of course, some people have more than one job, so that's three separate arenas. Each of those contain your thoughts, positive, negative, future, past, locked in the moment. All of those thoughts are contained in each of those arenas. And that's really what the blueprint's all about. Yeah, I, I want you to have a master life plan. But I know that those micro life plans are really the ones that maybe interest you most right now. You know, when most people call me up to be coached, it's usually about one aspect of their life. And I tell everybody, you're more than a baseball player. You're more than a great athlete. You're more than a business person. You know, you're more than a dad or a mom. You're more than that. Uh, you're a soul having a myriad of human experience. So segregate your life into these arenas. It's going to help contain it. And, and another reason, if something happens negative in one arena, it's contained. And now you can. Go to the uh, next arena, do a little score check, if you will. Make sure in the right frame of mind uh, to go home or to go to work or to go to that next meeting, whatever it may be. And our guest is going to join us here in just a minute, but I, I do want to throw in there, I'm guessing if you're brand new, you, you kind of want to be tempted to say, but I'll keep my blueprint in my head. It's not going to work. This has got to be written down. It doesn't take um, a, a lot of time to flesh this out, every arena has a vision with a timeline on it. And then there's macro goals that once you achieve them, well, they're going to act like stepping stones. It's going to take you to that vision. And then there's daily tasks or daily routines. And, and these are flexible. This is, these are all changeable. You can abort, you can edit, you can delete. Uh, you're going to feel awesome. You're going to feel light as a feather mentally, physically. When you've got that blueprint literally on your desk, in a drawer, and you can sit and look at it. And, and you can use it as a vision board. You can use it as a thought manager to kind of assess, you know, what am I thinking about here? You, you can be positive. In one aspect of your life, and then you go to work and you're negative. Now you're a victim or a judge. You know, you don't get along with your boss, your coworker's a jerk. Uh, you know, you don't have a good parking place. You're five lots over. It's like, really? What's up with that? <laughs> you know, you're not making as much money um, and uh, as you should and as you deserve. 
Uh, you're not getting equal pay. A lot of people like that, a lot of women like that. I think there was a story of Matt Damon uh, who was getting paid a million and a half uh, to go back and reshoot. And I can't remember. Help me out if you can remember that. Or, or yeah, I audience. can't think of who his co-star was in that, but she got basically a meal allowance. She got, a, got a million She got dollars. a per diem. He got yeah. a million and a half. He donated his to charity uh, when he heard about the ridiculous discrepancy. But, you know, I, I get that. I get how you can be a victim or a judge. But, you know, we have to starve the victim and the judge in us. Uh, the first way to do that is to be aware that you're talking like that and you're acting like that. And then you got to feed the champion. You really do. And, again, I'm not talking about sports. I'm talking about life in general for you to be your most genuine, authentic, best self. Speaking of someone that does have a life blueprint and speaking of someone that does have his life in segregated arenas, uh, one of my favorite clients of 2,500 humans, uh, this guy's one of them, John Buck. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. All right. How are you, Jim Fannin? Uh, John Buck, I'm awesome. I'm in the zone. So, that's, so that's where you live. I, I, I do. That's my zip code, Z-O-N-E. Um, John, I want to talk about your life, if we can put you under a microscope. Uh, pro athletes uh, have been under a microscope. We always know about your professional life. We don't always know about your private life. Uh, when I met you, you were just starting to work with the New York Mets as their starting catcher. Uh, we spent uh, several months in the offseason getting ready, going through the score system, and also uh, designing, creating, developing, fleshing out your personal blueprint. And do you remember the first thing that I said to you, the very first thing? More than a baseball player. I did. And, you know, John, you, you really are. You're, you're an awesome human being. I, I'm glad to say that you're a really good friend, but you're so much more than a baseball player. And when the season started, what year was that? That was the uh, uh, first year with the Mets. What was that? Was it uh, 13? The 13 or 14? Somewhere right around there. I think it was two thousand. I think it was two thousand fourteen. And uh, okay. tell us about the month of April, first month. What was it like to be in the zone? What were you thinking? What changes had you made? How did you set that record? Twelve home runs in one month. I believe it's still a Mets record. Tell me about the first month in your baseball career using the score system. Um, I think, I mean, it was a lot more simple than I thought. It was almost, I think how I fell out of it, which you and I talked about it, was I kind of realized I was in the zone and I was struggling to get back in that. But when I was really in it, it was, I was so engulfed in the process. My, my routines and my rituals that, that you and I had going, I, for me, it felt like all of a sudden we were at the end of a month and... I, I was I wasn't trying to do too much. I wasn't trying to be more than what I was capable of doing. It was I was engulfed in the process and was just letting things flow. And and it was 
I was more interested in our process of setting my day up, setting the day up for my pitchers. I was really engulfed in that to when the game came, I was able just to go have fun and, and compete. You know, you know, kinda, I, uh, I shifted I, all that, cleared it all out of the way. I also remember our visualization or our, our evaluation rather, they were pretty swift and pretty simple after a game. It, it was a minute or two, short evaluation, uh, pretty close to how we do the zone cafe at the end of our show every week. Uh, how was your self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment? You really, uh, you and I had a language of the score system that we used every single day. And then, John, yeah. uh, you know, life throws us curveballs. Uh, it's not just, oh, yeah. in ba- not just in baseball. Sometimes, uh, you know, a bean ball. Sometimes an up-and-in uh, fastball that knocks, knocks us down. Um, you made a life career-changing decision that you were not going to play baseball anymore. What, what was that like? Um, a little scary. But at the time, it was uh, it was it was something that I wasn't sure that I was doing. But uh, because of the things that I've been going through, and the things that I've that I've grown through through baseball, it uh, made me feel it was the right time. I was kind of going in an area where I was becoming that older guy backup, and that wasn't really good for me, anyways. Because being a starting catcher, you got to like to have control. And when you got to give it up to some young kid, that was an adjustment for me. Although uh, I think I did pretty well, but I just didn't want to be away from my family and do that lesser role. So I had to kind of evaluate and uh, rethink what I wanted to do with my life. I'm, I'm a pretty active person. And so uh, actually, as I'm, I actually sent you a picture, Jim, as we started this, I'm, on top of a mountain right now skiing <laughs> and and I those type of things I love being athletic doing those type of things competing uh joined a couple uh endeavor races uh, a couple uh mile long things uh Ragnar stuff like that so that I could really push my body and and I knew I wanted to do those before my body wouldn't do it anymore, and that window took up maybe my last couple of years, and I was willing to sacrifice uh, backup years, if you would, for uh, uh, going alpine skiing, doing races. Those are things that made me feel a little more fulfilled, and, and I guess my athletic ability. <laughs> I feel like I had to do some things. Though. I, I want to talk about parenting. I've, I've called you many times. And you were in the midst of some sporting activity, <laughs> basketball. I, I remember coming to your house in Utah, and um, there were like a million kids there. It was like, what? This is a crazy <laughs> place. It, it, it was like a, a just an amazing uh, high-end YMCA. Uh, there were kids everywhere. Tell me about parenting, goal setting, uh, teaching kids score. Uh, teaching them to be great decision makers. Tell me about how you took uh, what you learned from baseball and the score system and, and applied it to being a dad. Well, um, one, it's, you know, like baseball, the negative game, 
taught by negative people wanting positive results. So that kind of picks you up for parenting, right? If you're going to have this little nasty kid not listening to you, he's going to test your patience. So uh, it teaches you to be patient and also, uh, I guess, control your anger. So those are, those are the similarities. But um, as I got into coaching kids and then seeing dads react with their kids, seeing parents yell from the stands, show examples of the umpires, I, that, that isn't, you know, not something you want to hang your hat on. I was like, man, there's some things messing here. And, and it was real smooth to, to at least with my parents, uh, in the media of my team. And then obviously doing some stuff around here with the Salt Lake city bees to actually implement some of this stuff is, uh, you know, put an emphasis on pregame in game and post game evaluation for parents. I mean, uh, for me, one, for me, for a dad, it's, how am I setting this uh, as we going into this event or the game or practice? How am I setting this up? You know, because I thought of it the same way as me going into a game. Are my thoughts minimal? Are they directed towards what I want to do or what I want to accomplish? Do I have an objective? Do I have a goal? Uh, and for obviously all levels, it's different. But teaching parents, be mindful about your conversations on the way to the yard. Uh, that way that when they're, they're competing, that you're also feeding them with positive vibes, <laughs> positive self-talk. Because you know, as I'm starting to learn as a parent, those what? those habits, those habits get created really early at a young ages, as you have failures and successes. And uh, that's one thing that's really stuck out to me is teaching them good fundamentals to deal with success or failure in, in the in-game portion. What one of my buddies on the pro tour years ago told me that if he lost in junior tennis, his mother made him ride in the trunk of the car on the way home. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, that's child abuse. Anyway, he was uh, crazy on the court even as a pro, and I now I, I realize why he was. So, John, let's change arenas. Let's go to your significant other arena. That's a tough arena. Uh, two coaches in the same arena trying to coach at the same time, 50-50. I'm not sure any marriage is 50-50. It's probably 80-20 in this and 30-70 in something else. How, how did you apply the score system uh, to your significant other? How did, how did that transcend? Um, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, that's something you and I worked on pretty early because I was – I was getting, I wasn't coming home being angry, but I would let my moods carry over. If that makes sense. I was, I was, when we should be having fun after a four game series of families in town, I was really hard to check my emotions at the door. And I was obviously fine and cordial with everybody, but it wasn't the same outgoing John. And you could tell and it bothered me. And then it also, the kids could see that. Uh, well, unless you we, unless you had two home runs in the game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you had two home runs, that was a little different. But even then, you don't want to get too high. You want to stay right in the middle, uh, so that those peaks and valleys don't get high. And the score system helps regulate both those. So when I come home, as before I go into that room, it was all right. What do I? And I would visualize seeing Brooke happy coming up, give me that hug that feels so good after an over four. I'd literally do that, and a lot of times I'd go over there and get exactly what I want, and it's like, all right, <laughs> we'll have four more ABs tomorrow. But uh, 
you know, those were just a quick moment of like, all right, reset, clear mind, all focus on Brooke, check my ego at the door, check me, you know, being a baby about my 0 for 4, go in there and give Brooke a big hug and just stopping, having that moment to go in there before I went in there. I would say that one crucial key thing that I was religious on probably without a doubt made it that I had a better marriage than most of my teammates. Just by, as I go in the door, no matter good, bad home runs or not home runs going in there and it's like, Hey, look, I love you. Even, even if I felt like being a baby, being it was that, it was that routine of going in there and like, let me give daddy a hug. He feels like crying or whatever it is. And, and leaning on her for that. She's, and Jim knows she's that, she's my rock. And to be able to use that rock on good and bad times, John, she would have hit 400 if she had been in the bigs. <laughs> if we could put her brain inside of me, it would have definitely been oh, yeah. some sort of Hall of Famer. Uh, it's <laughs> been 80 home runs, 405 batting average, and, yep. and stolen bases, <laughs> sure. too. She, she may have been fast. Yeah, she's smart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, now, definitely would have been a smart baseman. I, I want to change gears. You're more than a significant other. You're more than a father. You're more than a baseball player. You've got your own spirituality. I, I really don't want to get into to the faith right now, but I know you, you're faith-based. Um, and you also made a significant change, and this, this shocked me, actually. You changed <laughs> your body. I, you would think oh, yeah. that you would have had a perfect body, playing baseball all those times you worked out and trained then you stopped baseball and you you took your body to another level tell me how that part of your life changed well if it, catching you need to have which i like to call it for is performance fat right you got to have a little layer to burn of 162 games in 180 days you got to have a little fat to burn in june and july so I call it performance fat, but it, it, it did, it did leave those abs deep in the gut. <laughs> and so when I got done playing, uh, Brooke, I, I said, Brian, Brooke, what's, you pick an athletic event. I'm thinking like a marathon or like, let's do another triathlon that we've done together. Thinking that she goes, I've always wanted to do a, a physique competition. I was like, physique competition. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, all right, you're going to get up there. My conservative, you know, wife, you're going to get up on stage and kind of shake your butt in front of people. I was like, <laughs> first of all, you, you get your hamstrings looking that ripped up. Let's do it. First of all, I'm all for that. <laughs> and then second of all, I don't think you're really getting on stage to do that. I just, if you know my wife, she's very caught. That's the last thing. So the, I think there was a lot of things where she was like, I'm going to push, you know, the most embarrassing thing is to push myself to get on stage. She, she ended up doing it, take, you know, taking home all sorts of brass. Right. And, uh, we went up to the stage the first time where she was like, Nope, I can't do it. She leans over, throws up in the trash can said, see, I can't do it. And I grabbed her. Throw a little butt on the stage. No, we didn't. You didn't make me starve myself to back out literally on the side of the stage. Go out there. We're doing this. So she went out there and took second overall. It was uh, pretty, uh, pretty motivating to go through that with the wife. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done diet wise and discipline and day in, day out. Definitely the hardest thing on your body 
other than 162 games, 180 days. It was, uh, it was a mental and physical grind. That's for sure. I, I think that's, uh, I had good abs. I had good abs. Now you got, now you got a six pack. I, I think it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, that's an amazing thing to do something so arduous with a significant other. I, I mean, that's one plus one equal more than three. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's one plus one equal 10. You and Brooke together equal more than a part. So now tell me about your business. You, you've got a couple of things going on. You're not a guy that sta- you know, sits still. I know that. You're antsy. <laughs> you want to make stuff happen. Uh, so you've got a business, uh, an online business, and then you've got a major project. Tell me about those. Uh, we got Buck Athletics. I, I came up with a, essentially like a Oakley case, if you will, uh, for your, your glove. Originally I made it for catchers. Uh, we have grown to obviously multiple positions, multiple gloves, uh, backpacks, catchers bags. Uh, moving into some mountain sports, uh, backpacks, ski bags, stuff like that. Uh, kind of put a little more thought in, and athletic thought into uh, the design and bags, and that's really took off. My brother-in-law, who's in graphic design and stuff, has uh, been a huge, crucial part in that. Um, and then, obviously, retiring from baseball and then starting to get into the coaches area and then stuff here in Utah. We don't have enough fields. We don't have enough playing uh, places were also an indoor state, considered an indoor state, obviously in baseball time with it snowing right now here, even in fact. Um, so putting together a team to put, uh, an indoor facility and a baseball slash softball. And if all things go right, a basketball complex. And, uh, that's, so that's been a huge project, which is moving forward slowly, but surely. Um, I'm not very patient, so it's not going as fast as I want. But uh, from what I told, we're we're going quicker than than the last project that was similar in our area. So uh, that's what they do. To, that's what they keep telling me to to, to calm me down every time we're in meetings. <laughs> Have you maintained? Uh, you know, I, I I remember when you were still playing, you had extreme positivity, and it was noticeable in the clubhouse. I mean, people were, other players were coming up and going, what's up with you? What's going on? Uh, tell me about how your thoughts are broadcast with, with no words being spoken. How you changed a pitching staff, the whole clubhouse. Tell me about that. Well, I always feel like, like I said, negative game taught by negative people. So that means you're, the game is, it's easy to get negative in this game. It's easy to, to forget where we're at, even in a major league clubhouse, funny enough. And when you're in a, a spot where you're in a, a losing, you know, a failing average or a losing, it's easy to get in those ruts of, of doing what everybody else is. So I, I remember going through uh, the process with Jim and, and uh, going through score. We we're, we we're kind of studying score, talking about it. And I remember the optim, uh, being optimistic came up and we were talking about optimism. And, and when we went through that, I, I could just feel it changing my pitcher's attitude, even about a pitch. I could be like, freaky, this thing, 
this slider is nasty. Like, Harvey, your curveball is on today. And thinking in my head, no, it's not, but I got to get it there. <laughs> but my optimism, like, we're going to get there. It is on, like, you know, the perception I put off to those pitchers and, and what I expected them, what I was perceiving was we got it. That became their reality. That perception became their reality, and they became confident just by the, the, the way I was presenting what was right ahead of us, whether the inning, that pitch, that, that game that we were coming upon. And when we, uh, Jim and I were studying that, I've, I've got massive results out of that, very consistent results to my pitchers. And they all increasingly got better as I, I kind of tracked their ERAs and their pitch counts went down, all because I projected optimism of how great they are and I could just feel it changing in the clubhouse. So, John, tell me exactly. I, I'm looking at the picture, and uh, I want you to be safe out there. It looks, it looks a little daunting, actually. Uh, tell me exactly where you are, what's going on. I, you're in God's country, so you, I know you're having a zone day. Where are you, and what are you doing? I am in Park City. I'm in the middle of a bowl, right? I, I figured I'm going to pick a, a zone spot. Right, because I know whenever Jim and I would talk, I would take these pictures wherever I was. It was usually on the front row of a stadium, or I would just walk the stadium, get to the top, or I would out in left field or somewhere behind a backstop, put my feet up on the seat in front of me and take a picture and send it to Jim of where I was. And so I figured, well, I'm going to do this call today. I'm going to get somewhere cool. And now I'm on top of Park City. I can see Deer Valley to the right. I'm right here on the, the powder bowl with the fresh inch, 12 inches of fresh powder after I get done doing this interview. I hope to get whitewashed with my own spray, hopefully, if I do things right. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, John, I've coached a lot of people, and there's no question you're one of my favorites. Uh, you're in the zone. Be safe. Uh, go ski in the zone. I, I'm I'm looking forward uh, to meeting you out there. I, in fact, I'm going to be out there this month. How about that? Well, well I hope you reserved a couple days at the bus, Buck House. Uh, I, yes, absolutely. I'll be at the clubhouse, the Buck Clubhouse. John, thanks so oh. much for being on the show. We'll have you on again. Stay in the zone. You know, you know all you about know I will. it. Man, again, a fantastic, fantastic zoniac. Can I just point out, if you're brand new to the score success system, it's easy to just look at somebody off in the distance, especially if there's achieved something phenomenal, and say, how did that person get so lucky at so many things? Like I've, I've read that the guy that uh, founded Uber, and I, I can't prove this, but I've read he's a fantastic tennis player, very competitive. And you're like, wait a minute, how does somebody change, start a company that changes the world and they're that good at tennis? How does somebody go to the major leagues, have an excellent career, have a great marriage, have great kids, and then move on to being in the best shape of his life in starting companies that are doing well. How'd that guy get lucky five times? He didn't get lucky five times. He followed the score success system. Well, and, and the biggest part of the score system is self-discipline. That's first, foremost, and, and, and that's the blueprint. And, you know, that's what the book is all about. That's why I'm so excited about this book. Somebody asked me, well, how long did it take you to write? I go, uh, 45 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure I wrote the book. When I think about it, uh, I had 2,500 clients write this book with me. Um, it's, 
every arena, I, I know in chapter 21, is about the parenting arena. Well, in that arena, at the back of that chapter, are visions, goals, tasks, and even key people that can be in your personal parenting arena. So it's an accumulation of a, a lot of people. Uh, and, and, you know, when you go through the book, pick and choose. You know, you, you can add also or, or delete. Um, but every goal, every vision, every task in there was one of my clients. Uh, nothing was created by myself or staff or anybody like that. It, this was all real people's uh, plan uh, that's helped them help help each of them have a successful life. Just one more quick reminder: Jim Fannin, F A N N I N, Amazon dot com, uh, your bookstore, wherever you normally buy books, or you can grab an autographed copy copy at jimfannin.com. dot com. That's F A N N I N. Of course, there is another way that you can clear through challenges and obstacles and really level up to the next level because now, we, I mean, the show is growing like crazy. And if you've noticed, I keep saying, well, if you're new, it's because it's there's a lot of new people. And Jim, one of those things that keeps coming up is, yeah, I know you got the mailbag, but I have a challenge in sports, in family, in the boardroom. I am up against a significant obstacle in my business and I don't know what to do. And if only I could tap into Jim's intuition, if only I could tap into Jim's knowledge from thousands and thousands of people uh, in similar circumstances like I've been, I bet I could get through that thing real quick. That's no longer an only if. You can go to jimfannon.com right now and you can actually book under the section, let Jim change your life. You can book a one hour session right now. You know, I've had so many people ask me if I would do an hour or do two hours. And, you know, the business model uh, for 40 years, 43 years has been a 24-7, all access, uh, monthly fee, and unlimited time, energy. And I never even gave a concept of one-hour coaching. Uh, it's just not part of my DNA. It's not part of my business model. Uh, but with this book recently, uh, there's been so many people that have come in and said, well, I, I can afford an hour. I want to do an hour. And, and, and an hour for a lot of people might be all you need to give you that edge. Uh, if you go to the homepage and, and, and you click on that, you can actually schedule an appointment. Uh, I'm going to call you at that time. I'll call you on the number that you leave, oh, probably your cell phone, and you can fill out a little form that tells me what your challenges are, what you want to work on, what your goals are. And I'll tell you, Seth, there's no subject off limits. Uh, it's 100% confidentiality, as all my clients receive, uh, and many of them receive an anonymity, uh, but complete confidentiality, uh, no subject off limits. You can ask me any question. Uh, you can't record it, but you can take uh, copious notes if you want, as many notes as possible. And uh, I'd love to coach uh, anyone listening one hour at a time. Uh, so there, there are some, li it's limited. So there's not that, that many times available, but uh, check it out. And I, I'm going to go ahead and tell this story with a, a layer of privacy because, you know, Jim's clients do have a, um, you have the right to privacy, but 
you met with somebody once who really wasn't convinced of the score success system. He spent an hour with the guy in, in New York, completely changed his tennis game, and he called and said, whoa, wait, wait, somebody from my staff get a hold of this guy again. What just happened? I got better in an hour. How is that even possible? Well, I, I actually, I, I met David Granger, uh, and that's the person I, I can say. He okay. was the, I, I wasn't yeah, sure I, if I no, could say I his can, name I can not, say so, David. Yeah. He's retired from uh, uh, Esquire magazine. So, you know, he was the editor-in-chief of the magazine, published the magazine. Uh, every month and uh, yeah Granger I met him uh, he came in he had a golf challenge he had a tennis challenge and uh, in less than an hour uh, I helped him change his golf game and tennis game so Granger if you're out there listening how's your how's your tennis game are you in the zone uh, he plays indoor tennis in the winter uh, which he'll need to with all the nor'easters out there in New York but uh, you can get a lot done if you're committed I'm going to deliver some concrete tools. I'm going to make strong recommendations and you're going to be responsible for your own success, but I'm not going to pull a punch. I'm going to treat you like a world champion athlete, a a world-class fortune 50, uh, 500 uh, CEO, uh, or there's no subject off limit. So I'm I'm looking forward to, this is new for me. Uh, Coaching is obviously not new for me. Uh, but offering one-hour coaching. So uh, I'm excited. Let's make some things happen, and I'm ready to help you change your life to be your genuine, authentic best self. Once again, you can book that at jimfannin.com, F-A-N-N-I-N.com. Look for the section that says, Let Jim Change Your Life. You can book your one-hour session right yeah, there. Yeah, that's right on the homepage. There's a big hourglass uh, uh, image. And again, that's right on the homepage. One-hour coaching, click on and Schedule your appointment. You good to crack open the mailbag here? Yeah, let's let's see what's up. Okay. I love this one because I wish we could go back in time and have you fix this for some of my previous managers. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna save some uh, some people in the business world some pain. Hey Jim, how can I organize a day long staff retreat around the score success system? I had to laugh at that because I've seen some managers who had the best intentions. But at the end of a, a quote-unquote retreat, everybody's going, can we just go back to work now? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to do, as I talked to John on the phone, I'm going to do a retreat uh, for a major company uh, later this month. So hopefully I'll be able to hook up with John Buck. Uh, but the person that's going to introduce me is going to make an announcement to the leadership. He's got a huge company. It's his leadership team. Uh, the announcement's going to be, Turn your brain off. You're here for this full day selfishly for you. Now, we're going to talk about our company, but you're here to be your genuine, authentic best self. And um, so I've set up four 90-minute modules. Obviously, we have breaks. Uh, You know, I have a workbook. I've done so many. I've done two or 3,000 of these around the world. Uh, They're game changers. There's concrete tools in every facet of somebody's life, but I'm excited because companies today are realizing that if they can put a program together for work-life balance and people go home, actually use some tools to be a better parent, get your kids in the zone studying, making better grades, or have a better relationship with your significant other, they're going to come back to work even more rejuvenated. 
And and the other thing uh, for this particular company, most of the companies, there's usually a theme. There's an overarching vision of what the company wants, either for the quarter, the half year, or, or maybe the entire year. I do a lot of retreats in the fourth quarter of the year to get ready for the next year. So uh, it's um, how to eat an elephant one bite a, at a time. And, and I'm going to bring the tools to show how to use synchronized visualization, uh, how to use the B to A principle, how to use the 90-second rule. And, and I think the bottom line is, and I've asked this to, to every prospective client, if you sleep eight hours a night, trust me on the math, you're awake 112 hours a week, would you invest no more, actually less than three minutes of your waking hours, to be your absolutely best? Would you do that? And I've never had anybody say, nah, I don't want to do that. I won't make that investment. Everybody raises their hand. Uh, And that's what these retreats are all about. So they need to be well thought out. They need to be planned. Uh, But I have the tools to to help manifest it. I want to talk about one more thing. I, I want to get to the Zone Cafe. What's your challenge right now? You know, you're driving in your car. You're sitting at home. What is your main challenge? What's keeping you from being your best self? What what pebble do you have in your shoe? What's hobbled you to being successful? What is it? Is it something from the past? Is it some obstacle that's given you fear about whatever you want to do in the future? What's your biggest challenge? And also... Which area of your life would you like to focus? Or maybe you need to focus. Most clients that come in, they focus on their business. I, I get that. You know, that's where you make more money, got net profits. You can buy a bigger house, a better house. I, I get that. Sometimes they focus just on their sport. I get that. But what do you need? Do you need to be a better brother? Do you need to hang up right now and call your brother and make amends? Put that behind you? Do you need to call your mom? Do you need to call your dad and re-up that relationship that's been a little strained? It won't be long that, yeah, they've been coaching you since you were a kid, but it won't be long before you're going to have to be coaching them. Uh, my, my daughter's going to be, uh, okay, dad, you know, uh, you got to wipe your chin with that soup <laughs> dribbling down. I, I get that. But what do you need? Is it personal finance? I, I even have personal financial advisors, some of the best in the country that have a poor personal financial plan. What's up with that? How's that amazing? Or how about your health? How about your wellness? Is that what you need to work on? Think about what you think about. Think about your challenges. Think about where you want to go. There's no rules to being successful. This isn't about making money. It's not. Yeah, that's great. Let's make some money. I I get it. Now, this is about you having a simple, balanced, abundant, happy life. And it is available for you. And I know that our world, our America, our cities, I know we're having 
challenges. I know there's divisiveness. I know there's uh, victimization from everybody. I see it. I, I see stress coming into the house. I see stress at school from cyberbullying or sitting next to somebody that's picking on you and uh, bothering you. What's challenging you? Send me an email at askjim at jimfannon.com. I'm looking forward to helping you with that. And uh, we're here to help you be the most positive you can be. And, And if you like our show and you know that there's somebody in your life that needs to listen to it, send them the link. You know, pass it on. Um, we can do this. There is a cadre of zoniacs. These are people who use the score system, thought management system, to get into the zone. They're affectionately called zoniacs. John Buck is a zoniac. There's a lot of, there's, I don't know, 20,000 zoniacs or maybe 50. There may be a million. I'm not sure how many. But I do know this. They think different. They act different. They perform different. And their results are different. And if you've got it, abnormal dreams right now. Seth, you need to think in an abnormal way. You can't think like everybody else. Because right now, everybody that I'm coming in contact with in airports and just traveling around the country, a lot of bitching, a lot of moaning, a lot of complaining, a lot of talk. How about the flu? This is one of the worst flus. And I was on the phone with someone and they're coughing and hacking, and they're talking about how miserable and how sick they are. And I said, that's not how you're going to get well. You have an abnormal challenge right now. You got the flu, and I get it. It's formidable. It's hit my home. Everybody's uh, not unscathed with the flu. It's killed a lot of people. This has been one of the worst ones uh, that I can remember. But you can think your way into a wellness. You can activate your immune system. Uh, and if you have abnormal dreams of being well when the flu's in your house, well, you got to think in an abnormal way. So ponder what you need. Think about what you think about. And uh, uh, right now, I want you to get ready to drive up to the Zone Cafe. You ready, Seth? I am ready to help you have what you need. Remember, you can always come back. You can come back for each arena of your life. John Buck did a fantastic job of, of laying out how he has multiple goals. You know, even in his retirement, he isn't just sitting back on his laurels. He has a goal as a, you know, as an individual, a goal in marriage, a goal in business, a goal in parenting. So you might need one item in your personal life, in your wellness, and you might need to come back in eight hours in something else in your business. Life. I'm on the griddle right now. I'm cooking. <laughs> I'm cooking. I, I got the... Uh... I got my uh, chef chef hat on. We're cooking up some self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. Uh, if you're uh, nearby, you can probably smell it, and, and uh, it, it's an amazing thing. And once you get all five of these at a high level, uh, the zone will arrive. It's the only proven formula that will attract the zone. Uh, and you're responsible. You're responsible for every repair This S-C-O-R-E forms a domino-like chain, and you're only as good as the weakest link. So whatever is the weaker link right now, whatever you need to shore up, and John Buck uh, alluded that when he was playing, he started working on optimism, and he was confident already. He just wanted to take it to 
you know, another level. And he did. So you can order self-discipline, a big keeping plate of self-discipline. And when you get the plate, you're going to see it's all organized. It's all disciplined. Nothing's touching each other. Self-discipline, that's the willingness, commitment to stay with the task, to reach well-defined goals that take you to a vision. If you need that, take it right now. Seth's going to put it in the bag. You can drive away in your car. But maybe you need some concentration. Maybe you need to focus more on one thing, not 10 things. You know, maybe you need to get locked in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So if you need to be focusing mental and physical with your energy on a task that's going to lead to goals, that's going to take you to a vision, we got a bucket of concentration right now. I mean a bucket of it. You place that order and you're going to narrow your focus immediately. You're going to get rid of whatever the extras are. You've been juggling 10 things, eight things. The best in the world focus on one thing, do it right, and then say next. Or maybe you need optimism. It's a bowl of optimism. In this bowl, you got confidence, trust, belief, little dash of expectancy, and a tablespoon of knowing. Now, if you want that, that may take you to another level. But I caution you, once you drink from the bowl of optimism, you're going to walk around like you're seven feet tall, and everybody's going to go, did you get a haircut? Uh, Did you do a makeover? Something's different about you. People are going to feel it. You're going to walk in the room and not need to say a thing once you drink from the bowl of optimism on a regular basis. So if that's what you need, Seth, ladle up a bowl of that, and uh, you can drive away feeling much better about yourself. You'll even have more self-esteem. But maybe you need a big, tall, a big, tall, supercharged, tall, supersized drink of relaxation. Maybe you need some calm. Maybe you need some peacefulness. Because once you start sipping from this big glass, big drink of relaxation, serotonin is going to flow through the bloodstream. You're going to slow down. You're going to, your eyes may double, triple shutter speed. Everything will seem in slow motion. You'll have a calm that's going to come over you like a coat. This is being comfortable, free from worry, free from anxiety, and free from that need that I got to do something. I got to do something. That panic we all get, especially salespeople, the last days of the month to meet that quota. Our relaxation goes out the window. So if you're right there and that's what you need right now, you need a drink of relaxation. Seth, put that in the bag. I think somebody's just pulled up. They need that. And uh, they're going to they're gonna walk away from this uh, order, <sighs> lowering their breathing from 15 to 17 breaths or 20 breaths a minute down to six to eight. Calm. But maybe... You need the Happy Meal. Now, Seth, every time he's cooking up the Happy Meal, he starts laughing. He's nuts back there. But the Happy Meal, that's just enjoyment. You know, we can all work so hard that the next thing you know, it's just da-da-da-da, just drudgery. You know, I'm, I'm going through the motions. I'm, as the golfers say, I'm grinding. 
I'm grinding this round of golf. How many of us are grinding right now? You know, the gears kind of going against each other. I'm there. I, I'm in the moment the best I can, but I'm just not, I don't have any pep in my step. I don't have any zest for living. I don't have any enthusiasm. And if somebody asks me how I am, I'm, you know, I'm fair to Midland. That's a Kentucky phrase, Seth. You, <laughs> you, you, may not, you may not know that. Are you answering, I'm awesome? I'm two levels above incredible? Well, if you're answering like that, I know you just had a happy meal of enjoyment. If that's your missing link, place your order. So, Seth, I know you love the movies. I know, I know you watched the Oscars. I yes. know it was great. You had a great uh, time doing it. But what do you need right now in your life? You know, I'm going to set this up kind of like what we just talked to John Buck about in arenas, right? So I know I've got the arena to relax and order that off the menu tonight. And then the thing about the, the score system is get ready for it to work. So, you know, I've got some crucial meetings in my business life that, you know, that happen tomorrow. And you and I really do leave it all on the field every week. And people might think, oh, you're just talking. Well, we have so much love for you to see you manifest your blueprint that, I mean, I think you could agree. We, we really put our energy into this thing, right? So, Well, I, I want everybody to be their genuine, authentic best self. That's the whole point of the show. So I know I've got about four hours home tonight, dinner with my wife, keep the TV off, you know, maybe light some candles, read together for a bit to avoid just that constant cycle of Netflix and then a hot, hot bath little tea. You scared me there for a minute. <laughs> I, 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 I went, the show is now turned, ready for that. It's turned from PG, a hot, hot bath. I got gotcha. you. I'm a bath guy. I, I know people that haven't washed their ankles in years because they only take showers. There's nothing better than a nice soothing bath. That's for sure. Some hot water and then nice glass of decaf tea. Put myself tuck myself into bed with the vision of the next day and then get up and get ready for it. So I'm ordering relaxation and I can see it happening right now through visualization. Well, I hope, I hope everyone took something away from the show. Uh, we all have a score level. I have one. You have one. Seth has one. Uh, maybe even your dog has a score level. I, although I think your dog's always in the zone, always there <laughs> at the door. But we all have a score level. That's your overarching attitude. You're, you're in charge of all repairs. Find out what you need. That's going to solve it probably 90% of the time. If not, there's plenty of tools that we have. And also, there's some videos at jimfannon.com. If you go to the coaching section on the toolbar, uh, drop-down box, go to the life section, the business section, and, and go to the sports section, there's four videos for each section that's going to give you concrete tools that can help you bolster any of those segments of score. Get in the zone, everybody. It's the only place to be, and we'll be here next week. This is a Leveling the Playing Field Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I got into running and it saved my life. I am from a very blue collar family. I'm the first to graduate college on any side of my family. And I hung out with not the best kids in middle school. And the only reason I went to the middle school meet and greet with the fall teams 
I wanted to go to volleyball. Let me just tell you. (laughs) And the only reason I went to the cross country one was because the girls that I was hanging out with at the time, one of them was dating the brother of the captain of the cross country team. I was a little follower. And so I went and I was the only one of the three of us who actually showed up at a practice in my Converse sneakers. I fell into it full force. I was actually fairly good. So that was helpful. But my coach pulled me aside after I quit winter track my first year because it was cold and I didn't want to be outside. And he, he said, you know, you've got to make a decision on where you want to go in your life. Leveling the playing field with Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.